And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 215, aka season 3, episode 35, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I am your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with MC. And since we do the show with caller numbers and MC's around, since he handles the tech side of things, those numbers for you to dial are 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. Uh, so it's been a couple of weeks, MC. What you been up to? Uh, not a whole lot. <laughs> so, yeah, been busy, but just personal stuff, I guess. Same here. Um, I, we talked a little bit about it, bef- you know, before we hit the record button here. Uh, I don't understand. Well, I understand it because it's, you know, it's different here. Um, but there's a big push in the Liberty community here um, for for Tulsi Gabbard, Democrat, liberal. And I don't I don't. Well, I, 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 I'm going to say I don't understand it, but I like I I kind of see what they're trying to do um and i just i'm always bothered by it and sometimes there's a handful of people that look at me they go like hey isn't she's your senator right because you're like you're from there i go no not my senator i don't have one but i see what you're doing um so what what do you what do you think it is maybe uh enlighten me a little bit more uh what's the deal with tulsi gabbard and why are liberty people so enamored with her i think well for me it's a one issue uh it's foreign policy that she might be better at than some of the others and uh and yeah so that's pretty much it so she's she wants to limit or how should i say this uh bring some troops home (laughs) and not invade other countries the anti-war democrat policy yeah I don't even know if it's, it's definitely not a Democrat policy anymore. Okay. Um, but it used to be at one point in time, right? Am I, am I imagining that? Well, they, they, they said it was, but it was only because they hated Bush. Okay. So it's like, oh, the Iraq war went bad. So therefore, uh, we're going to use anti-war as the excuse to get a Democrat elected. Um, but the funny thing is, Right now, that uh, none of the, de- the 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 establishment Democrats don't want to be anti-war anymore, so um, there is no anti anti-war left anymore. It's been, so now she's a renegade amongst her own ranks. Then, like, how dare uh, she? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so the biggest attack on her is that she has no accomplishments. She's you know none of her bills. Uh, made it into law yet or stuff like that so um and i actually think that's a good thing yeah i was about to say okay maybe maybe she is worthy then if she's not going to get anything done (laughs) she hasn't made my life any worse so uh she's qualified (laughs) (laughs) um and yeah but that's so for me it's a one issue thing that's pretty much the only reason why i would vote is to uh have have the u.s government not not kill as many people as as it's doing, um, yeah, that that alone would make the world a better place. I think, I hope. But See, um, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I'm done. Was, and, and to me, that's the troubling thing. Like that's that's how far, um, like the the liberty the liberty movement or the libertarian agenda has fallen. It's like it's not. It's no longer about um, candidates. Not that it ever should be, right? Like this is the anarchist experience. So it's weird talking about this in this context. But it's 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 not like let's find a candidate who um, who espouses and and has a history and of you know libertarian ideals right and non-aggression and non-intervention and you know taxationist theft and all that. Um, it's let's find the the candidate since none of the candidates uh, agree with libertarians on all issues. Let's find the one candidate who we share like one thing in common with, right? Oh my God. Uh, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, so bad, so terrible um, that if we can get Tulsi Gabbard on stage, which is like the big push here, right? It's like get get her in the debates because she's she's close. Um, and when you when you, when when uh, when followed that, right? It's like, well, how do we get her on the stage, 
right? The answer is donate to her campaign. Like, I don't want to give the bitch money. Um, but, it, you know, it's fallen so far away from, you know, uh, ideals and principles that if we can get, you know, that they're, everyone's like fawning over uh, a candidate because she's uh, libertarian-ish in one area, that being foreign policy. And whereas you may be correct, and you're probably correct, that, you know, being libertarian-ish in one area and bringing the troops home and all that other stuff that she's espousing um, makes our lives uh, slightly better, right? It's it's far and away from, you know, advocating for complete liberty, uh, 100%, you know, uh, voluntarism uh, all the way around, which is where libertarians should be espousing uh, ideals and, again, principles that they get they get all you know uh, the fawning over her again uh for for one one issue and it turns into a a one issue libertarian idea like if you can be if you can be libertarian in one area as a politician you can like rally the entire 1% of the libertarian voting population in your favor uh for whatever reason not like it makes a difference um and it's just it's it's peculiar and sad uh, for, for, for me to witness that firsthand where people get all excited off of one issue, right? Oh my God, she's libertarian in this one area. And now, you know, so let's, let's put our finances behind her, uh, because that one issue is better than all the bad issues of Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders (laughs) and, you know, you know, less military socialism, but everything else, right. We can deal with when the time comes, because as long as we've got that one issue on our side, it's all good. Yeah, well, I I would I, I think of it a d- different way now because I don't I don't even think the Libertarian Party should be uh, involved in putting people on on the stage and in, in in the in the elections. Um, I I I I kind of I guess concede like de- defeat because uh, a Libertarian is never gonna win, right? What's well, never um, it was never the party of winning. Well. And, the party and of it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. So I think, I think it would be better if the Libertarian Party just didn't run anybody, and and only tried to influence, um, and hopefully we get some things that we want. Um, well, then this would be the proper strategy then, because they're not running anybody. They're advocating for a Democrat, and then I guess well you know, influence Tulsi Gabbard to to hold that position and then move toward Liberty would be the the effective way to do things then. Yeah, but backing a candidate isn't isn't exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, go on then. So I don't care. I don't care who who wins. Um, basically, uh, um, so hypothetically, well, Bernie Sanders becomes president, and you want to you want to like whisper in his ear that socialism is bad. Uh, no, I would I would say find ways around whatever he's trying to do, and and help other people avoid it. Okay. And that includes, you know, leaving the country or uh, if there's a more libertarian state, getting that state to opt out of the federal government or, you know, there's there's other things you can do. Okay. So like a, a, a libertarian guide to subverting the state then as opposed to the libertarian candidacies of taking over the state and then right. shutting it down Cause, later. Because we're just not going to take over the state. It's just not going to happen. Like the, the whole idea of of liberty is uh, not using government force. And that's the whole platform of the government is, hey, how can we use force against your neighbors? Um, so how are, how are libertarians ever going to take over that? They, they can't, they, we're not uh, equipped to, uh, uh, you know, we don't have the selling power. <laughs> we don't have anything to sure. sell. The government, the government is like, hey, how much do you want to pay for this? Uh, violent arm of the state and uh, and there's a whole bunch of p- people willing to do it and so there's that <laughs> see and that's and this is where this is where I, I I think I'm on the same page with you a little bit I think the entire strategy of the libertarian party uh, is is a mess and I'd insofar as there's there's a clear strategy to win elections um, and a history of politicians not following through with campaign promises. And so for me, I go like, well, if this is if it's going to be the party of principle, 
right, then it's more along the lines of what you're saying, which is, and I don't mind running candidates, right? What, what, I, what I do mind is running candidates for the purpose of winning, right? If it's going to be an educational campaign uh, or in, you know, in, in the vein of uh, Vermin Supreme and other, you know, uh, odd candidacies, um, a satirical campaign, right? Like, okay, so I, I don't know if it's been covered here on this show, um, but here locally, uh, one of one of the co-hosts of Free Talk Live, which is the the nationally syndicated show that I participate in on most Sunday nights, uh, this week Sunday excluding because there was uh, a scheduling conflict. Um, but we're we're sitting at dinner, and uh, one of the co-hosts of that show and an acquaintance of mine, because I've, I've been out with him a couple of, on a few different occasions, um, decided that he was going to ch- legally change his name to nobody and then run for mayor in Keene, New Hampshire, which is the city that he currently resides. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was brilliant. Brilliant! Right? Because it's a, it's a satirical campaign. You can have a lot of fun with that. And we're sitting at dinner and he goes, uh, he goes, I'm just, I just got to raise the money to make sure that I can do afford the name change. And then when the, when the, when it's over, I can, I can change my name back to, to, you know, his, his normal name. Um, and the other, the, the main uh, co-host of the show, who's also having dinner with us goes like, I'll pay for it. I'll do it. You want to <laughs> do it? Let's fuck, let's do it. We're doing it. Um, and, uh, so I, I followed up with them and apparently, uh, in, in that city there, the courts are backed up, backlogged oh, no. through the month of, no, it's all, it's all good. Um, so they're, they, I said like they filed the paperwork, but it hasn't been like heard by the judge yet. So they're looking for, um, June sometime to get that, uh, heard by, by the judge and whether or not they'll approve of the legal name change to nobody. Uh, my point is that the, he'll run like a libertarian-ish campaign, but satirically, right? I don't, I don't think he expects to win. I wouldn't expect him to win. Um, I've even gone. I've even said, you know, the, the best, his best chance of winning is to not campaign at all, uh, because then there won't be an association of the uh, of the line item on the ballot with him at all, right? Like if if you see, you know, like the the the. The, <laughs> yeah. three, the three other candidates running for mayor and then nobody and you don't know who nobody is you might just think it's you know a a, a change of rules that you can now vote for nobody um and all of a sudden and all of a sudden he wins right but if he puts himself out there as like i am nobody um then there'll there'll be an association of the of the ballot name of the ballot of the line i'm on the ballot with the man and i don't i don't think that that would be an effective strategy um, either way, so s- satirical campaigns like that, I'm all good with, right? Like, cause I, 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 I don't see it as uh, a way to victory necessarily. That's the educational thing. That's the, 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 the message being sent, um, of libertarian ideals and libertarian principles. Um, and on the other side of things, so that you got that side of things for the libertarian party, it's like, you can run that type of campaign and fund your money into education. And why would you do that? Uh, because, you know, if you can get enough media coverage for something like that, um, you know, it, it, the, the, the money becomes worth it to get the ideas out. The other thing is like a victory strategy for libertarians. And I said, well, if libertarians want to win office, all you have to do is like lie to voters, right? It's, it's, it's whatever, <laughs> it's what every other party does right? You lie to voters. You tell them you'll give them, uh, everything for nothing, right? That you're going to give them all these benefits and, you know, and they won't have to pay for it at all. Some form or fashion, like, you know, make that, uh, make that idea work. And then when you get into office, just don't follow through. <laughs> and then, you know, the, so the objection was raised like, well, if you do that, then you're only going to be in office for like, for, for one, one, um, uh, one, oh, one term. One term. Yeah, that's the word term. You're only going to be in office for one term. Like, who cares? How much can you get done in one term? But if it's if this is a sustained strategy, right, where libertarian candidates are uh, uh, covert and running on, uh, you know, running as other uh, other parties, like under the Democrat ticket or the Republican ticket as, you know, like uh, operatives, I guess would be a good word, uh, then you can have a sustained campaign. Right. Because there will be no way to tell 
who the libertarian is amongst the ranks, right? You, you show, you know, you have your secret underground meetings in hoods and basements with, you know, torches and, uh, you know, rituals, right? And then above the surface, you, you, you look and appear like a regular Republican or Democrat running for office. And then if you can sustain like that, um, and just having the popular people go in, get elected and do, and roll back the, the state by winning under other, other, uh, other, uh, parties, then it doesn't matter if you only get one term because you can have like one term as a Republican and one term as a Democrat and one, you know, and go back and forth. But if you have like the libertarian ideals, people winning those, um, then you can continue to roll back subversively and people won't know who to vote for because there'd be no way to tell the real, the, the real Republican from the, the fake Republican or the real Democrat from the fake Democrat. And one term will be enough because your job is not to like continue to be in office. Your job is to use that term to, to roll it back um, and then hand off the baton to the next person, you know, pulling the wool over the eyes of the average voter. And you're like, well, if, you know, if you can, if you can successfully run that strategy, well, then that's like the key to victory for running office, right? Over promise, under deliver and hand the baton to somebody else. It's like every, like every other politician, um, but in the name, in the name of freedom and in the name of liberty, um, or like I said, you run the educational campaign and then you don't, you don't even worry about winning, but there, there's, they seem to be stuck in this, uh, you know, dichotomy of we want to we we want to run the educational campaign and win right we want we want the we want the entire population to sincerely get behind the ideals of freedom and liberty uh and then move everyone that direction um you know voluntarily for lack of a better term like we want we want to we want to change the hearts and minds of people to the point where they'll actually vote uh, for the libertarian candidate on principle and oh, how great that would be. Um, and yet the, the results of that is always 1%, 2%, 3%, like people don't give a damn. Um, so you're not going <laughs> to, you're not going to move them on principle. You're going to move, you're going to move them through subversion and policy changes after the fact, like every other politician has done. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. But I don't, I don't think that's going to happen either. I, you're right. I don't and, think it's going to happen. Even, I'm not even suggesting if somebody makes it into office, what, what difference does it really make? I mean, unless it's the presidency, but so if it's not, uh, and that, that's, that would be really almost impossible to accomplish. Um, you know, s smaller offices, well, then you get, you know, however many other representatives that, are going to vote against you in in the in the house or the senate or whatever so um so yeah i don't True. i don't think it's actually going to make any positive difference um, well on a state level you can run for like you know like nobody for mayor or for the governorship or anything that has like sure. you know veto ability and pardon ability like i was i was thumbing through facebook before we got started here and i don't know how legitimate it is because it was just a picture um but like california's new dmv laws Right. They highlighted one section where uh, holding your cell phone in your hand is now being is now an offense getting a for the first offense. Right. The first time the cops catch you with the phone in your hand in California. Uh, and I'm going to say allegedly, because, again, I just I just Facebook. I, I read nothing into this. This is just a picture on there. So correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but the first offense for holding a cell phone in your hand in California is a thousand dollar fine and a three year license suspension. Right. So I know it's California, but if, if you could be, you know, if you could get into a, a seat of power there, right, as a liberty minded individual, you know, mayor or governor um, or, or something to that effect, when when that bill was passed, right, number one, you could have vetoed it. And number two, having that seat of power, uh, you can effectively not enforce it and pardon everyone, uh, you know, busted by it, something like that. Right. So there, you know, there, there's certain there's certain elected offices that carry no weight, right? Like you said, if you're if you're a city councilman or whatever, then you know you get in, and then so what, right? You vote your way or whatever, and then you're out, um, and you you don't change it. There's not enough city councilmen, um, you know, to to vote with liberty for it to make a difference. Um, so you're right, but if if you have you know like an executive position, like mayor, governor, uh, president, even. Uh, then yeah, there, there's a lot that can be done with the stroke of a pen um, for freedom, for liberty, even if it has to be done subversively to get in there. MC? Yeah, 
just yeah, just another strategy. Sure. Um, yeah. Well, and the the other other alternative that we discussed v- briefly before the show is, you know, all these one issue people, right, need to go the other way. And if you don't like a policy, if you're like, if your one issue is foreign policy, and you go like, well, I don't like the foreign policy currently, just withhold your funds, right? Just the the non-paying strategy of of freeing yourself from uh, from the state. Uh, the way I've always phrased it is the the only uh, legitimate protest is a tax protest, because as long as they're you're paying your money, uh, they don't care how you think or how you feel about it. So if if you if you have one issue that you disagree with your government about, just don't pay them, just withhold your funds for that one issue. And if everyone withheld their funds for the one particular issue that they disagree with, um, there would be no government funding, except for what they print themselves. But that's okay. In my opinion, yeah, because you know the 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 agri strategy around that is already existing uh, in the in the cryptocurrency space, right? They, you you can print all the money you want, um, but if if you're in a network of people who don't need it, don't take it, don't use it, um, then it doesn't matter. Do you want to talk about that for a second? Because it I I now that we now that I've brought it up, um, not a not a purposeful segue, but another mini discussion that I got into on Facebook friendly discussion, not an argument, not a, not a debate, um, was the, the use of cryptocurrency in general, not necessarily Bitcoin, um, as money versus holding it, uh, as an investment tool. And it, it was, it was brought up, uh, in, in the discussion that, uh, cryptocurrency should be spent, um, otherwise the, the, it has no value. Um, I guess is the, I, I can't remember the exact phrasing of it. It was, it was more like if you don't spend your cryptocurrency, the value drops to zero. And so we should be spending it. Um, even though <laughs> why, as the price why would goes it drop on. to zero if you don't spend it, it, make, it makes no sense. Okay, good. Expound on that then. Cause I, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to talk for a minute and I'll see if I can find the actual post and I'll read exactly what he said. Um, I think what I, I understand what he was trying to go for is is that if you're not if you're not using it in your day to day life, then how much value does it really have? Um, now, I think what's going to happen is there's going to be some alt altcoins that are going to provide that functionality, uh, and I don't know if it's going to be something like uh, tether that's like pegged to the U.S. dollar or uh, or something else, but um, yeah, right now it's it's hard to spend Bitcoin because it acts like gold and it trades like gold, and um, so people want to hold on to it because they think it's going to be more valuable, which it probably is. Um, so yeah, right right now prices of Bitcoin is going up. Why would anybody want to spend Bitcoin? You know, people are going to hold on to it until. They get ten times their money out of it, and so maybe they'll sell some of it then, uh, you know, before the next crash or whatever. <laughs> sure. Well, um, and th- I'm still looking for it, but I think his point was that if you if you're not spending it like money, um, then that then the that that price arc won't happen, right? It won't it won't go up. Um, well, he well he's wrong about that. I mean, okay, it's so Bitcoin itself behaves like a bubble. Uh, but it's a repeating bubble, and it never goes back down to its uh, price it was five years ago. And that'll probably happen uh, until it gets to a point where it's you know only spiking like once every twenty or thirty years, and that, and that could be a hundred years from now. But um, you know, it's at some point it'll it'll be just like gold. Nobody will care about it until you know it goes up uh, in twenty years, and and so. I don't know what what cycle gold is on right now, but it seems like you know nobody's talking about it because it's not going up. And sure, eventually, eventually it will. And and then everybody, will go, oh, we we forgot about gold. And then you know there'll be a big you know bubble in gold, and you know it'll go up to twenty thousand or fifty thousand dollars, and it'll come back down somewhere. Sure, but it'll, but it'll never be two hundred dollars again. You know. <laughs> 
All right, real quick. Here's the here's the actual post, and then I'll read I'll read my answers, and then we can again continue on from there. Um, his post: I can't understand cryptocurrency people who don't want to advocate its use as money. That seems self defeating to me. Um, and my response was Gresham's law, uh, as well as time frame preference. The time to use cryptocurrency as money is not yet upon us. Um, why spend BTC now and receive $6,000 worth of goods and services when I can speculate on its future value and if correct, receive $60,000 of goods and services, especially if I have $6,000 worth of FRNs to use first. And his response was, well, why buy two pizzas for 10,000 Bitcoin if people don't use it as money? It's worthless. I said, and what a mistake that was. Uh, Hodlers and investors are able to take advantage of the spenders and zealots. So please continue shopping. And he said, without that mistake, Bitcoin would not likely be on the map at all. Uh, and I said that at the time, uh, at the, uh, and that spender would have been out all of $20, uh, $20 right? Whatever the cost of that pizza was. And I said, it's a living example of game theory playing out. Um, and there was no further commentary after that. But my point was um, with the game theory is as long as there are people spending it and driving the value up, the people hanging on to it uh, benefit in the long run, even if it's a, even if it's a decision that if done by all members uh, collectively would be self-defeating, it's not a self-defeating um, strategy uh, as long as other people are taking a different strategy. Continue. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's weird when, when people say that because you're not using it day to day uh, for your, all your normal transactions that it's, that it's, somehow defeating a purpose like so i guess i would have to explain what bitcoin is why it was created it was it was created to be unstoppable money and the 21 million limit was was put in there as a uh, hedge against inflation um so the, the thing that most people don't want to look at is the incentive of of the miners to keep mining Okay. So I speculate that at some point that the miners will get greedy and they will say, Hey, let's change the protocol and, and make it more than 21 million. And if, if the majority of the miners get on that network, then that means the other network will not be as secure and, you know, Bitcoin will still be there, but it'll just be a little bit different. So when you and, say you speculate, are are you 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 you're like making a prediction that that's what's going to happen or that's currently your strategy no i when... think that's i think eventually that'll happen i don't think it'll be 21 million limit forever okay um but i also don't think that's a problem so i think bitcoin is unstoppable money and and that is its its purpose um so it has to do with uh when when uh basically being in control of your own funds Sure. Uh, with the caveat, okay, well, the miners have some control also. Um, and miners are just self-interested people. You know, they're mining to make a profit. Uh, so that's that's why I think there's probably going to be incentive in the future sometime uh, to either increase fees, um, which they're currently the to make it to make Bitcoin more popular. They're trying to decrease fees as much as they can. So that's why they came up with the light lightning network makes sense to me um but at some point the, the miners are, are not going to benefit from the lack of fees so the miners might go oh okay we either need more fees or we need to increase the amount of bitcoins that are being distributed so i don't know what's going to happen i don't know how long it might you know it might be 20 or 50 years before that happens but uh incentives matter and and bitcoin's <sighs> protocol is not set in stone things can change sure uh, and so, yeah, so, um, yeah, so at the moment, uh, Bitcoin is unstoppable money. The, uh, you know, maybe the government tries to stop it. I don't know. Um, and fails. Yeah. I mean, so what they can do is make it hard for people to transact into U.S. dollars. Uh, what they can't do is stop people from sending Bitcoin to other people. Um, so, <laughs> um, so things like that are public, like exchanges and stuff, uh, they could technically shut down, but they probably can't shut them down in, in the whole world. So there will probably still be use for it if you went 
uh, you know, some service to exchange them for you. So, um, yeah, well, I, we know we know of uh, ex- exchanges that are run out of other countries that are, you know, currently. Sure. We'll, we'll see. We'll see when the invasions start over like bitcoins, <laughs> Bitcoin exchanges. Right? It's it's no longer about the oil, and it's like the the <laughs> the the, uh, the exchange operations in your country that's gonna. It's, it's, you know, yeah, we're gonna have wars over magic internet money. U.S. invades Norway because they wouldn't shut down the the uh, <laughs> their Bitcoin server. Wouldn't take wouldn't take control of their own economy, so we have to step in and do it for them. Or yeah, they need to some. That effect. They need some freedom. Um, yeah, freedom to use U.S. dollars. Right. You can use any money you want as long as it's U.S. dollars. Yeah. So I and again I brought that up. Um, only because it it came up, and I I like bouncing stuff off of you when it comes to the that aspect of things. But it goes to show that you know if if you're going to if the libertarian strategy is going to ex- is going to be to convince people to extract themselves, uh, you know, from participation in the state, which I'm not going to object to. Like if that turns out to be the strategy, you know, count me in um, because I you know of, of all the things that could be done. Um, to me, that seems the most reasonable mm-hmm. um, and the, the most likely to succeed at some small level, right? Maybe, maybe not on the grand scale, um, but at you know at a local level, at state level, sure, why not? Uh, but that you know, even if even if they come and you you want to withhold your taxes um, from the state, you know, just move it into something that they can't get their hands on um, and make it even more difficult for them to you know for the taxman to collect. Yeah. But me personally, I don't think voting is good or bad. I think I think paying the state is bad for sure. Um, so if Tulsi uh, becomes a Democratic uh, contender, um, then I might just vote for her. Uh, and and I, that's mostly because I, your big issue is foreign policy, right? Sure. Am I wrong? Yeah. Yeah if we can shut down the military industrial complex, but would she really like that's, you know, well, I, that's I the thing. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't and... be holding my breath, but what, what was funny was p- people were telling me that I had to vote for Obama rather than, uh, Mc, what was it? McCain. Yeah. Uh, I had to vote for Obama because, uh, because of, uh, foreign policy issues. And I was like, I, I don't think you understand, Obama as as well as you think you do like that they're saying he's like the anti-war guy but he's really not he's just he's just not McCain <laughs> I mean true and and so, to be fair Obama was not going around chanting bomb 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 Iran either like right you know <laughs> there's the guy who was you know calling for war against a sovereign nation and the guy who wasn't really <laughs> mentioning it as as loud right. and proud of but that's the thing. Like, I, I never once felt like uh, Obama was going to be um, the answer to uh, a- any of uh, my issues. Like, okay. not, not once. I, ne- I never felt like uh, he was that strong on anything, except uh, he was, you know, a good speaker and <laughs> crowds liked him and, um, and, and he wasn't Bush or McCain. So, it's like, you know, uh, but... D- did well, I that's always, gonna... that's also how you get Trump in office. Cause then like, well, at least he wasn't Hillary. Well, exactly. And that's, you know, a lot of people's, well, I think probably I did too, uh, speculated that he would be better on, on foreign policy, but that's because I know what Hillary is capable of. Um, yeah, she, in this example, she would have been the one shouting, you know, bomb, 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 bomb everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's so, <laughs> So Trump so, was a good foreign policy call then, even though he didn't follow through with it. Yeah, he didn't follow through, and it, and it didn't. And but also, in in a really weird way, like it's it's like it's like he doesn't know what's going on, or or he's. It's almost like he trusts the the people in government already. Okay, they're and, his advisors, his counselors. Yeah, the ones he's who like, know. He's not an expert in government, so these are the ones that know better than him how things really work. Right. And so with Syria, like he let Syria go on for a long time and, and then, I, then something changed and like, okay, now we got to get rid of ISIS that we supported in the past. Sure. So like, 
why did it take a year to figure that out or two? I don't understand why. <laughs> just I don't know what to tell you. Either. You know it's wrong. You get up on stage and say, uh, "The guy that was in office previously, he was a." Uh, he was paying ISIS uh, to, uh, you know, try to overthrow Syria, and uh, maybe it's just like they, they really care how the history books are written. And, sure. And he didn't he didn't want uh, people to think the U.S. was that terrible, but it's like everybody fucking knows, you know. <laughs> he's okay. So I'm gonna throw out this word, but he seems to be more sociopathic um, than I think people want to give him credit for, right? Because he may not know. But he, he has a, a pattern of history at this point of contradicting himself um, just just so in the moment he can say what uh, his base wants to hear, right? Does that make sense? Like, even, sure. with, even, with, even with Syria, right? It was, we're, we, we've got to, he was tweeting, we've got to get out, we've got to get out, we've got to get out, you know, uh, when, when Obama was in office. Then he took office, didn't get out. Then said, we're getting out. I was like, oh, yeah, I might follow through. And then changed his tune on that again, um, you know, in, in the moment. Um, but also, you know, uh, the, the news of WikiLeaks over the last month or so, right, where there's, where there's clips of him going, oh, man, isn't this WikiLeaks thing great? Like, look at what these guys are doing and, like, you know, good on them and so on and so forth. Um, and, then, and then, you know, come to find – and then now that uh, they're trying to extradite Julian Assange – uh, over the the WikiLeaks leaks, uh, for lack of a better term, um, you know he's like I don't I don't know anything about WikiLeaks. Well, this this is news to me, and they go like Mr. Trump, look look this is video of you just you know within the last year talking about how great WikiLeaks was, and now we're now we're doing this. He's like ah, oh, uh, and then he just you know starts going off on whatever tangent he wants to uh, to to dodge that. Um, so he doesn't seem to be he doesn't seem to have. Uh, a hard line position on anything of substance, just what do people want to hear, right? And again, we could talk about the wall even on that, right? We're going to build the wall. Mexico's going to pay for the wall. Well, Mexico's not going to pay for the wall, and someone's going to pay for the wall, and how's the wall, get, you know, and on and on we go. Like, what? when, when was the last election? We're, yeah, we're, we're like, oh, we're almost three years, two and a half years into, into his presidency. Uh, and the, the, the one campaign promise that probably pushed him over the top was the whole wall idea. Mm-hmm. And that has not come to fruition at all for the better, right? Like I'm not a big fan of walls. Um, but just, you know, uh, going back to the libertarian strategy, like it's clear, you know, <laughs> that lying to people and then not following through campaign promises is the, the winning strategy of politicians everywhere. MC. I'm going to make you change uh, discussion a little bit. Um, since we're talking about foreign policy, I've been thinking about this a little bit. Well, I've been thinking about it ever since uh, shit started happening there. Uh, Venezuela. Um, there's, the coup that wasn't cooed. Yeah, there's there's a lot of debate on what should be done and what should the U.S. do. And even somebody that I know from Venezuela says that the U.S. government should go in there and take out Maduro. Okay. Um, and I'm like, I'm not so sure the U.S. should do it. Um, so then he would bring up things like, uh, well, uh, you know, the U.S. Uh, you know, got help from the French uh, when, you know, against the, the English, uh, the, the monarchy. Sure. So... So that means that you know, you know, we should we should help freedom wh- wherever we can. Um, America, but, fuck yeah! But I think there there are some there's definitely differences. Um, that's their government, and they let them take their guns away, and their ability to provide them for themselves. You know, free stuff. Sure. Uh, so. So do they really want freedom or they do they just want Maduro gone? That's uh I don't know if the principles matter at this point. You know, there's people suffering and uh the idea is that if Maduro's gone then, you know, things will get better. You know, I don't know. It's possible. You know, I, think, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, the people that are there. <laughs> you know, what are they gonna do when he's gone? Are they gonna do the same thing again? Uh you know, that's happened in other countries, you know. 
Well, um, you, you can make the case here as well, right? You know, every everyone gets the government that they wanted because that's whom they elected. I mean, maybe. I, there's probably fraud involved in sure and maduro still being president um sure but you could say that venezuelans want maduro in office as much as americans want trump in office mm, i don't know I, he was I, elected. Think there's, I think there's a lot of people <laughs> that want trump in office yeah that's what i'm saying so yeah i don't know i don't know how wide uh how popular maduro is i i'll assume he's not very popular uh, just by the, you know, protests and stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Okay. So go on with your friend who, who's so, not sure who wants inter- who wants foreign interference. Well he, well, he wants foreign interference, and I'm not so sure. Like I, like would would I give money to the U.S. government to go over there to do stuff? I would say no. I don't want to do that. I would rather give my money to either people in Venezuela, or uh or maybe uh, uh private uh, uh private arms you know there's there was a company that that, that did that sort of thing <laughs> for the mercenaries for uh, yeah mercenaries um or or send them guns if there's a way to do that uh that would uh that would be my answer um or you know just support people that want to actually go over there and help them um you know, person. You know, I think that would be far more effective to to send people over there uh, that at least want to do the right thing. Um, maybe they want to okay. use violence to accomplish it, but people that are personally dedicated to doing it, rather than being told to do it the way the U.S. government wants them to do it. You know. Um, so one of the things, I guess, the one of the ways that the U.S. government might try to do it is by uh funding extremists in venezuela Uh oh and they right so they don't really know what these people are trying to accomplish um maybe they are totally socialists but as long as they're against maduro the u.s government doesn't really care so that's that's why i say it's dangerous to have the the u.s government do it because uh they might put the wrong people (laughs) in power in in venezuela then you end up with senor osama bin laden Basically, I mean, you, Potential. you could end up with, with you know, some another dictator in Venezuela that is, you know, pro-U.S., like like everywhere in the Middle East, you know? Well, it's good for U.S. interests, though, isn't it? I, I isn't guess. That what we want? But... Isn't that what we want out of our foreign dictators? It's, it's, it's not going to help out the, the people of uh, Venezuela, though. That's why, that's why I say, you know, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't trust the U.S. government to do it. <laughs> they might yeah. totally screw it up. And actually... That's the tendency is for them to totally screw it up. It would be bad for your Venezuelan friend uh, who's still in Venezuela, but it'd be good for, you know, Americans who now have access to all those Venezuelan riches coming back home. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I think in a lot of ways, it, no matter who takes over, like once Maduro is gone, I think things will improve. But uh it would be better if it was actually a libertarian movement, a freedom movement, which which I don't think it is. Like, what is 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 there a new? You know, they got a new temporary president or something. I, f- I forget his name. But uh, is does does he have a you know a new constitution? That he says, hey, this is going to be the new law, right? You know, does he have? Uh, uh, is there is there any proof that he's anything other than just just Hey, I'm I'm the new dictator. I'm not Maduro. <laughs> no, not at all. So, so, I mean, I don't know. I'm not I'm not there. I don't I don't follow uh, the new president's uh, uh, wishes either. So, um, but yeah, I, if somebody wanted to go over there uh, with a whole bunch of guns, I'm here to you know kick ass and shut down government. <laughs> I w- I would be totally for that. Well, it's, we'll have to wait and see then, and you know, again, not pay for it. Hopefully, with withhold funding as best we can um, for that. I mean, I would, says, I would, pay, I would, I would pay somebody to overthrow their government. Um, okay, but I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't want them to form a new one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's that's part of the problem. Absolutely.
Anything else? Um, yeah, Bitcoin's up. It's like it's almost $7,000 now. I'm excited about that. Although, um, uh, I talked to Emma a little bit earlier. She wants another dip because she's been um, uh, put, putting in little bits, like, you know, 100 bucks a week or 100 bucks a month or something like that. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. Just reacquiring uh, some. I was like, no, just what we got. Just push it all the way. Like, <laughs> Let's 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 hit it, hit that million mark that everyone's talking about, and then disappear from forever. <laughs> <laughs> All in. So, uh, you have no idea. Yeah, I I'm well. It's poor investment strategy, but and this comes from the fact that um, my my money programs are a little uh, detached from reality. Man, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Like I go ahead. You, you think outside the box. <laughs> I, I don't even know if it's thinking outside the box. I'm like, I, uh, man, how do I, how do I want to put this on this show? Well, the thing is like, it, if you're consistent, no, almost no matter what you do, as long as you're not tra- changing your strategy over and over and over, then you have uh, a chance of success, like a legitimate chance of success. Like you're going to eventually it's, it's, it's going to, Land on your number, and you're going to walk away. You'll be like, "Okay, I made it." <laughs> you know? Sure. Okay, so let me, let me let me see if I can explain. I'll do my best to explain what what I'm trying to communicate um, in terms of like my money programs. Um, my money programs, in general, don't allow me uh, to be wealthy because somewhere along the line, my alignment with finances is basically to cover basic needs, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I have enough money to cover basic needs, I don't need any more. Like I don't, I don't, my paychecks get direct deposited. I don't look at them to make sure they're deposited. I don't make sure that they're deposited correctly. I don't audit them at all. If when the time comes to pay the rent, um, I'm certain that I have enough money to pay the rent, right? I don't, I don't know how much more I have than that, but I know I have enough to pay the rent. Um, and if something comes up where um, I feel like I have more than I need to pay the rent, um, my my inclination is to spend it on frivolities, um, which is why I have such an extensive video game collection. Right. Right. I don't even play as much as I used to, but I can I continue to collect. And I believe that's mostly triggered by the fact that if I have too much, um, then it needs it, it cannot be held in Federal Reserve notes. And I don't think that's I don't think that's the libertarian or the anarchist aspect of my personality. I think that's a I think that's a financial program somewhere um, deep down that I have not uh, meditated enough on to you, figure out why that is or how just, to fix it. You're just collecting the wrong things. You need to collect bitcoins and not and not video games. Right. <laughs> but but as long as I associate bitcoin with money, that will not change. Right. So, I don't I don't handle my cryptocurrency, right? Like I I leave that to M. I whatever whatever bitcoin that I have acquired uh, in the past or whatever, you know, other uh, cryptocurrencies that, you know, we collectively hold, um, she's in charge of. Like I don't have a personal wallet. I don't have my own keys. Uh, it is too great of a number Uh-oh. for me to comprehend and not spend the crypto number in my head, right? For like, all right, I'm I'm done with this. Um, is too great of a number for me to realistically conceptualize. So I don't handle it. I, I you know, uh, M is uh, better with larger numbers, and because she has a, a history of you know, being wealthier than me, although it's not, you know, currently the situation. Um, so I, I just, I just, I let her do it. That's, that's the bottom line. And it has nothing to do with libertarianism. It has nothing to do with anarchism. Um, it has nothing to do with cryptocurrency. It's just, I know what I, I, it's a struggle for me, um, to resist those urges when it comes to that large number of things. Mm -hmm. Um, even, you know, the, the first, uh, the first settlement that I got from my, my accident a few years ago, right. Funded this move, right? Like I went, okay, I got money. Now I, now I can afford the move and 
now I have no money again. Right? Like that's that's, <laughs> that's just how it works. If, if you got it, spend it. Right? <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. So holding is would be prohibitively difficult for me on an individual level. Um, so I don't handle it. I just I I give I give it away and. There, I I can't explain it any more than that. Um, so yeah, so that so that's where I'm at in in the in the crypto space and getting out of Federal Reserve notes as best I can. Yeah, well, well done. <laughs> Thank you. All right, do I do some headlines? Sure. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna read this headline first, um, and then for some reason the article itself seems to have a different headline. Um, but I was trying to read the article to make sure that it, I, I wasn't, uh, that they didn't change the article on me. So the headline that I posted as show prep is, Headline! Uh, when historians attack capitalism, they mostly attack straw men. Uh, and then you click through the article and it's how college professors push students to socialism. So one and the same. Um, I, I believe it's the same article, but who knows. Uh, moving on. Sure. Headline. Against government regulation on internet speech. Uh, headline, charges dropped against Florida man because the First Amendment protects his, quote unquote, I eat ass, bumper sticker. Uh, headline, our former right to travel and how to reclaim it. Uh, headline, Oakland's pothole vigilantes are the Batman and Robin of road repair. Uh, headline, unlike actual insurance, social security insurance creates more risk for the future. And finally, headline, government control turns school into partisan battlegrounds. All right, any place in particular you want to start this week, MC? Uh, well, the first one, because that was the most interesting one. <laughs> okay. Uh, so either when historians attack capitalism, they mostly attack straw men, or how college professors push students to socialism. Uh, from the Mises Wire. I think that's where I got confused. I thought, it was, I thought maybe it was... Um, Initially, I thought it was maybe just like a a, a, a recent feed, <laughs> and then when I clicked through, it was you know the most recent instead of the actual article that yeah. I wanted to read. Uh, Ste Stefan Malinu made a, a a funny comment about uh, the school system, uh, so that he said that that the the left must be frustrated now because they they spent seventy years taking over the the college education system uh, only to have the internet come up around and show everybody how wrong they are. So, yeah, well, except that they're still graduating college students. Like my sister graduates today. Sure. Apparently. But, but how much, I don't know how much difference they're going to make. I mean, maybe it'll change <laughs> enough voters, but it seems like once the internet or the out, colleges, right? So, so the college, would be their goal would be to change enough minds so that uh, they can change politics also, right? Yeah, to the left. And so, sure. And so, but when people graduate college and they get jobs and um, they 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 come up with their own ideas a lot of the times, maybe you 50 would you would hope. <laughs> so, so I think we're still you know going to be stuck at this you know fifty fifty. Uh, you know, half the country is okay with socialism and the other half isn't. Uh, I think it's going to stay close to that. You know, if, if, and of course, every time another politician gets elected, uh, it, se it seems like we keep inching left, uh, you know, more social programs and stuff. Um, because but, that's, yeah. that's the over promise under deliver aspect, right? It's, it's prom it's the promise of all this free things. Yeah, and, but and the un the unspoken thing is like, well, how is that going to get paid for? And eventually, maybe not, maybe not any time in the the direct near future, but eventually, you run out of ways to fund it, and yeah. that's when you know the 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 whoever's left holding the bag uh, is going to have to you know pay it to pay the piper, so to speak. So I think it's like we keep inching left, and then it's it's impossible to undo those programs. Yes. So once you know, once we get, uh, you know, one social program, then it just it just keeps getting worse, and we can't they they can't figure out a way to undo it. Uh, even if even if they wanted to, they couldn't do it. So yeah, well, um, how are you going to take Social Security away from you know retired folks, right? How are you going to take Medicare? Well, to me, it would be easy. 
print print a whole bunch of money and give it to them. Say here, sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, but and then you devalue the money and uh, eat away at the spending power, and then you know you got ninety year olds going like, I, I can't even afford bread. And then you're the you're the evil guy who's like you know who did that right the the evil libertarian who wants to take away, who doesn't care about old folks and children. Yeah, so be it. <laughs> I agree with you. I'm I'm a hundred percent on your side, but that's that's the the reaction that we'll get. Uh, all right, let's jump into this. Now we're pushing. Uh, after the collapse of the housing market in 2008, a professional historian gave birth to a new subfield of history, usually referred to as the new history of capitalism. Economic history is hardly novel, but the new history of capitalism takes the approach that capitalism is a thing that needs to be explained. In the past decade, the field has become one of the most fashionable trends in the history profession, with centers for the study of capitalism being established at the Cornell and the University of Georgia. Uh, predictably, the scholarships that fall under this label is replete with problems. The most self-described historians of capitalism know nothing of economic theory, even as they try to incorporate it into their writings. Seth Rockman from Brown University, for instance, supports his analysis of antebellum Baltimore by quoting Adam Smith's exposition of the labor theory of value. Rockman seems to be taking a sly shot at proponents of capitalism. Even your precious Adam Smith believes labor is the source of value. But he appears to be entirely unaware that economists abandoned the labor theory of value more than a century ago. These historians have also uniformly accepted that slavery and capitalism are inextricably linked. This idea has been around since at least 1944, when the Marxist historian Eric Williams published Capitalism and Slavery, arguing that British industrialization depends on the slave economy of Barbados. But the idea has evolved to the point that historians have established a consensus on claims that defy empirical substantiation. Rockman again provides the perfect example in claiming that slavery was a labor system that accelerated economic development. How a historian can empirically demonstrate that an economic system accelerated economic growth is beyond me. What exactly is his basis of comparison? An alternate timeline in which slavery never existed? Edward Baptiste attempts to support this idea by connecting antebellum cotton production to gross domestic product to demonstrate that 6% of the total U.S. population produced more than half of the national output. His argument, though, depends on a remarkably inaccurate understanding of GDP, which economist Bradley Hansen has adeptly demolished. And there's a link. Uh, but the primary issue with the new literature is that while historians have taken capitalism as the primary subject of inquiry, it seems nearly impossible to identify what exactly capitalism is. The problem is also nothing new. In 1996, historian Gordon Wood observed that the confusion over the term capitalism has gotten so great that we now have competing and contradictory studies that show that the first two centuries of early American history were either capitalist from the beginning or never capitalist at all. At the time, though, economic histories uh, were on the decline. By 2008, when the new history of capitalism was born, the definition problems had long been forgotten and or conveniently ignored. Now we see historians discussing capitalism in ways that suggest that capitalism is defined as everything that has or has not ever happened. Uh, Henry Camperling, for instance, in Capital and Convict, argues that capitalism is the reason why the United States evolved into its carceral state. His basic argument is that politicians and prison, are, and prison wardens acted in their own self-interest in expanding the prison system. Self-interest, of course, is ubiquitous in human history. It's part of human nature, despite Marx's theory to the contrary. Although self-interest is an important concept in understanding human action, Kamerling's analysis could easily be transposed onto a history of the Soviet Union to argue that capitalism gave rise to the communist gulag. Sven Beckert, in his highly praised Empire of Cotton, takes another expansive approach to defining capitalism, coining the provocative term war capitalism. Uh, Beckert writes that modern capitalism privileged property rights, but earlier capitalist mo moment of colonial expansion was characterized just as much by massive expropriations as by secure ownership. If capitalism is both the protection and violation of private property, then what is not capitalism? Other histories of capitalism define it according to their own implied criteria. Rockman's idea of capitalism rests on the Marxian exploitation predicted, predicated uh, on the fallacious labor theory of value. Several scholars appear uh, appeal to notions of modernity, 
modernity. Uh, other, uh, another vague concept that they typically characterize according to technological innovations, evolving business practices, or emerging financial institutions. Ultimately, profit-seeking self-interest undergirds many studies of capitalism, allowing scholars to include any form of state activity under the capitalist label. Histories of police abuse, asset forfeiture, mass imprisonment, foreign intervention, and state-mandated racial discrimination all fall under the umbrella of capitalism because the many agents of the state are, surprise, surprise, responding to institutional incentive structures. The many broad and contradictory notions of capitalism serve no analytical purpose, but they do seem to serve a political one, encouraging students to associate capitalism with everything bad in human history. Although, the, although there are certainly many scholars who openly advocate socialism, the majority of historians, at least, still dance around the topic. When pushed, they are likely to acknowledge that communism was an abysmal failure. The new strategy is not to positively agitate for socialism, but rather to vaguely suggest alternatives to capitalism, while broadening the definition of capitalism to apply to quite literally everything except full-blown socialism. Proper study of economics, of course, makes important distinctions between various types of state interventions. The lack of intervention into the economy is generally recognized as laissez-faire capitalism. Correctly or not, historians typically attribute the, this economic view to Adam Smith's Wealth of Nations, which is written in response to mercantilism, the practice of government granting monopoly privileges to companies engaged in international exchange. Corporatism, of course, is a similar form of privilege granted domestically. Other interventions, such as taxation and regulation, hamper private companies. In some cases, the government nationalizes an industry entirely, as is common with education systems, by controlling the money supply. Governments also interfere with the credit institutions, manipulating the available supply of loanable funds. Each of these categories of intervention has distinct and important causal implications, which is why economists, even when employing problematic methods of inquiry, such as econometrics, have long tried to find ways to isolate the many dynamic variables that affect economic development. Ideally, historians should do the same, making attempts to isolate historical particularities to study how specific variables influenced historical change. Instead, historians have more commonly begun to adopt equivocal, equivocal labels designed to homogenize rather than isolate these particularities. As the scholarship developed, mercantilism became merchant capitalism. Corporatism became crony capitalism. Hampering interventions became regulated capitalism. Nationalized industries became state capitalism. Monetary manipulation became finance capitalism. Other labels cropped up, such as industrial capitalism, plantation capitalism, commercial capitalism, or Beckert's recently coined war capitalism, to name only a few. Eventually, the qualifiers seem unnecessary. By dropping them, all of these various interventions, as well as the lack of intervention that characterize laissez-faire, could appropriately be simply labeled capitalism. Without an ounce of irony, historians today could claim that Adam Smith wrote The Wealth of Nations to establish capitalism as an alternative to the prevailing system of capitalism that he previously characterized Western economies. These terminologies Wow, these terminal—son of a bitch! These terminological problems have gone largely ignored because sound historical analysis is not the goal. The true aim of these scholar activists, as many academics have begun calling themselves, is to propagate socialism by redefining capitalism to encompass every evil of human history. This typical. They typically avoid advocating any specific economic system at all. They only want people to think about alternatives to capitalism, but with their broad and often contradictory conception of capitalism, it's easy to recognize the alternative they have in mind. Uh, enter the article. Your thoughts, MC, on the multi-forms yeah. of capitalism that, uh, that are established around the world throughout history. Yeah, that, that's, that, that was a much longer and more complicated article than i thought it was going to be um it's 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 very accurate i did my best uh, to read it quick yeah <laughs> son of a bitch <laughs> that, was, that was a hard word man my tongue ring kept getting in the way logical <laughs> um so wow where do i start but that that's basically the the attitude you get like if you, if you talk with uh, uh college kids on on facebook 
is that everything they don't like is, is capitalism. And it doesn't actually help accomplish anything except uh, it's, it's virtue signaling. Um, it probably That's a good word them, for it. it. It makes them feel good about being against bad things. And, and they just label everything that's bad capitalism. Uh, now, uh, I, I recently talked to some, some uh, college kids and I said, well, the, the biggest polluter is, is the government. Okay. And so they say, well, the government is capitalistic. I'm like, well, that's just what you label it. It doesn't mean it, that doesn't make it so. <laughs> yes. Um, like, yes, there's money involved, but just because there's money involved doesn't mean it's it's capitalism. Um, well, what else so, could it be? So, the, <laughs> yeah. So, so I guess, and that's that's why I brought up the Zeitgeist movement. Uh, so they, they think if we well, if we just get rid of money, uh, then everybody will not be self interested anymore, and everybody will, uh, you know, not pollute the earth and and stuff like that. I guess. Um, yeah. So they don't they don't help it any accomplish anything they don't help enlighten anybody when they say everything that they don't like is is capitalism because um i'm pretty sure that uh you know the the more government intervention you have the the well the, the less uh, respect for property you have and so some people would be okay like, with that you go to places like uh you know india and china and and as long as the government says, okay, destroy this land, um, then it's gone. And it doesn't necessarily, uh, who owns it. Sometimes it does, but um, they, they built a highway around a house. <laughs> that was a pretty, uh, pretty neat picture. But And that's the way it should be, because the homeowner shouldn't have to sell his land or have it force, forcefully right. taken away. It's, you know, you, you buy the land around it, you go around it. This is This is mine, and it will be mine, and, you know. Anyone who tries to take it is a, a is a is a thief and a tyrant. Right. So, so anyway, that's it, there's it, it's it's actually a very complicated uh, issue, you know, trying to solve all the problems in the world, and it doesn't do any good by saying oh everything's capitalism. Uh, even if you want to uh, go into office and 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 change everything uh, to, to the way you want it. That's still capitalism, I guess, in their, in their minds. So, um, yeah, it's weird. Really weird. All right. Final thoughts. Um, yeah, I wish the colleges would stop dumbing people down. <laughs> and congratulations to all the new graduates who now have to go out and find a job, hippie. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, you know, rediscover like what, what reality is and, uh, you know, teach yourself about what socialism actually is and what capitalism is. And sure. It just, wow. And and to be honest, that's that's the way it worked for me. Uh, I I graduated and retained not much, and all the important stuff I learned after I got out of college. And that's kind of where what led me down uh, the path I'm on today. Had nothing to do with my education, and I think luckily I wasn't political in college um per se like i i didn't identify as a republican or a democrat and i didn't go to mock debates or um you know participate in student government or anything like that like i i was as apolitical as you can get um so i don't I, and i don't recall the thought processes that ran through my head at the time um to like say which way i may have lent lent leaned at the at the time mm -hmm. um but after college is where everything started to come together. So hopefully yeah. for the, those students graduating um, this year uh, and, and in the future, that that's when the real learning will take place for them as well. Right on. All right. That'll do it for us. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, you know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com, minds.com slash the anarchist experience. Uh, if you want to jump on the Patreon bandwagon and get to donating, uh, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace.